Welcome in to the OMR Podcast International. I'm your host, Scott Peterson, International Content Developer at OMR. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Mirko Kasper, CEO of Omnichannel Eyewear Provider, Mr. Specs. Mirko became CEO at Mr. Specs back in 2011 and inherited a litany of challenges, including stagnating revenues, wayward brand perception, and consumers' growing reluctance to embrace buying prescription glasses online. In his tenure, Mirko and the team have identified and overcome the aforementioned hurdles, pinpointed purchasing drivers, and repositioned the brand to grow revenue to nearly 200 million euros in 2021, nearly tenfold of what it was when Mirko came on board. We spoke at length about that process, how the Mr. Specs omnichannel business model unites offline and online shopping experiences, the effect partnerships with local opticians have had on growth, and about specifics on how AI is set to impact Mr. Specs moving forward. All of that and more right now in the Omar podcast. Buzz. I'm thrilled to be joined right now by uh, co-CEO of Mr. Specs, Mirko Kasper. Mirko, thank you for joining me in the Omar International Podcast. How are you doing? I'm, I'm great, Scott. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Uh, so we're a recording nine in the morning, day two of the Omar Festival. So, you know, we're we're getting up to speed. We're kind of, you know, warming up. What was, uh, what was the festival like for you yesterday? Uh, it, it was it it was almost overwhelming. It was it, it was it was huge. Lots of lots of great speakers and offers, and uh, I almost got, got lost track of uh, of everything. But no, no, it was great. Um, and um, you know, especially I'm 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 fifty now, right? So okay. you, you you meet a lot of old friends, and uh, and uh, you have a lot of side gigs and sideshows sure. around it, which is also great. So no, it, it was, it, 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 it hit it off with a great start. Okay. So it's kind of like a class reunion in a lot of yeah, ways for yeah, you. Yeah, in a lot you of know? ways. Especially after a couple of years of break with the corona uh, situation, obviously it was, it felt like just a big catharsis for everybody. It was everybody's ready to let go. And Absolutely. The great reunion. The great reunion. That's a good way to put it. Well, um, so I'd love to talk all day about the Omar Festival, but let's be honest, you guys should all just come to it next year. Don't miss it. Today, we're going to talk about Mr. Specs. And it was founded in 2007 uh, by your co-CEO, Dirk Graber. And uh, since it was founded, you guys have displayed a very steady growth. Uh, I think in 2016, you became profitable in Germany. In 2019, the international business went into the black. Um, and revenue grew to 194 million euros in 2021. Um, for people that aren't really familiar with Mr. Specs. What is it exactly that you do? Who is it for? Where do you do it? Um, what would be the elevator pitch or the, the the Cliff Notes version of Mr. Specs? All right. That, and you, you, you'll learn throughout the interview that that, that elevator pitches is not my thing. Yeah, I usually enough. take uh, three times as much time as, as it should. But anyway, I'll try. No, uh, no, keep it going as long as you want. <laughs> this is a podcast. We have time. Our listeners are patient. They want they want the hard insights. <clears throat> Fantastic. No, I mean, we were looking at the market uh, and asking consumers what what we saw is that uh, two-thirds of consumers did not enjoy buying eyewear because they were at the mercy of a perceived expert and the process they couldn't control. The prices weren't clear. And after 45 to 60 minutes of consultation, suddenly mm -hmm. you get an offer which might be relatively pricey, uncomfortable situation, how to react, whatever. So people started to avoid it really two-thirds, right? And we okay. said, ah, that doesn't have to be like that. Why don't we give consumers 
all the information, the tools, the channels, anything they need to start being in control of that process. And next thing you know, they actually do start enjoying it. So long story short, at the core of it is just delivering a customer experience that's inspiring and empowering for the consumers. And we can go down into a mm. bit more details later, right? But that's the one part, um, just making eyewear buying more like shopping. And the next thing was that we said, well, we think we can tweak the business model as well, right? Mm-hmm. Just uh, um, uh, turn it into an omni-channel model that's digitally driven, mm-hmm. allows us to go nationwide in the countries, build a brand because we got that nationwide coverage through digital. Mm-hmm. And once we have built that strong brand equity and learned so much about the consumers be- because we know them digitally, right? And, mm-hmm. and based on a lot of data. And then we said, well, then we can open up uh, stores and high frequency locations, tap into even more demographics, get a lot of new customers, put them into an integrated shopping experience and have them in the omni-channel world of Mr. Specs where we can cater for them in any mm-hmm. channel they want. That is that is the idea of Mr. Specs. Okay. And uh, what uh, target group are we looking at? Like an age span? Are we talking like pretty much, you know, smaller kids like, with families? Like probably I imagine parents would have like a good experience. Or are we talking a little bit older? How do you how do you skew? Yeah, I, I would... I would say the core really are the millennials. They were the mm-hmm. first ones to embrace digitally, digital fully, also mm-hmm. in categories like eyewear. And then we've expanded. Um, still the core target groups between, I would say, 20 and 39, but especially to the stores, through the stores, we, 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 we got the first-time buyers that are below 20, mm-hmm. right? And we got the ones who are more complicated values, very focused, et cetera, that, 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 that like at least the store experience at the beginning of their journey, right? Mm-hmm. And so by now, we cater to really 50% of the market, I would say. Okay. And, and the, the, what, what, what combines those, uh, those target groups really is the openness to digital services on the one hand, mm-hmm. and the other that they don't just want to look well uh, or right. uh, see well that they want to look great, right? So it's a fashion it, statement. It's as a well. fashion statement as well, and those 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 we cater to. Okay, and uh, how many? Uh, how big is the company? How many people do you employ worldwide? Roundabout. Well, I mean, we 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 cater to ten markets in Europe, and we have one thousand. Well, probably 1,200 uh-huh. uh, right now. Um, thereof is roughly, roughly half in stores. Uh-huh. And the other is is in either general administration or in our logistics center. We yeah. have a large logistics center where we where we uh, uh, cut the lenses, sure. put, them, put them into the frames and then send them to the country. So that, that's how we are basically structured. Yeah, okay. Because it's uh, especially one of the things that I th- find uh, incredibly fascinating is just how Mr. Specs kind of toes the line between the brick and mortar shops and the digital experience. So you be you know, high frequency areas, like you said, you have a shop there, you can walk in, you can come in contact with the brand, and then that experience is then carried over to the digital space. And that is definitely fascinating. We're going to get to there because getting up to that point is a journey in itself. Um, your journey started at Mr. Specs as CEO in 2011. Yeah. Um, what was it like when you joined? What was the company like when you came on board? And what were some of the biggest, most pressing issues that you were facing? Uh, I, when I came, I think we made uh, roughly 11 million euros in revenue that mm-hmm. year. Um, and um, that was really one of the hardest, hardest years. Uh, um, we were 
bit under pressure in terms of growth. Mm-hmm. Cost had uh, gotten up a bit. So classic period, I think, in 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 startups, we've sure. started to scale up the organization, uh-huh. but suddenly the business would, would 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 not pick up as you had expected it, and um, so that's where I came on board. And then Dirk and myself, what we what we did, we said, well, let let let's really go and dive deep into the market, do a lot of market research to find out where the the purchase, let's say, hurdles are, mm-hmm. are, 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 are that people would not embrace the opportunity to buy prescription glasses online right. more. And uh, and that's what we did. Uh, we found out, you know, quite a few of the drivers uh, uh, to online purchase and, and also the hurdles. Tweaked the communication, repositioned the brand a bit, uh, really went through all channels, new TV spot, new on-site experience, etc., and then we saw that the core of the business, the prescription glass business, would pick up online. So that was really the, the 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 core of what we did in eleven. And then the next step was, and I think it started even in eleven, that we said, okay, it's the first step into omnichannel. Mm-hmm. Because what we also figured out, or what, what we figured out, part of that was um, that um, you know. Lots of people start their journey uh, through an eye test. Mm-hmm. Now, and if we couldn't cater for that, the traditional optician is very good to upsell you into the product, right? Mm-hmm. Once you're there to do the test. Sure. So uh, we said, okay, how can we, how can we, you know, create a service uh, offering uh, for people to get eye tests? And uh, at that time, we didn't have the assets to build stores. So we said we need to find an asset light model, and that's where we came up with the partner model, uh-huh. where we have uh, local opticians uh, that uh, do the eye test for consumers and customers that we send over to them. Mm-hmm. They put it into our system, so it's really an integrated experience again for the consumers, and 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 that helped us um, uh, also grow the business. We okay. scaled it within a year to roughly three hundred partners. So the the journey was then around the time you would. Attract people to the shop. You would refer them to a local uh, uh, eye doctor, yeah, uh, and they would then refer them back to the Mister Spec shop. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. that's that's fascinating. Um, and uh, so yeah, that would create this kind of cycle that almost just kind of keeps filling itself. Like we're yeah okay. And how many how many partners do you have in your network of of physicians of eye doctors? Well, we have we have roughly four hundred, and it is in Germany. It's opticians because the the eye doctors or the ophthalmologists usually don't do the eye test anymore. Okay. At least in most of Europe, I mean England is a is a is an exception, but in most of Europe, uh, opticians do the eye tests. Yeah. Okay. And, and and so and we have uh, roughly four hundred four hundred opticians that 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 work with us and uh, and that's that that's been you know for 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 more than ten years now right it's a very stable relationship okay very good I apologize my ignorance it's, no, like I said it's nine in the morning uh, people I need to <laughs> you know be a little bit up to speed here um, but uh, okay so and that was uh, 2011 that's where you started getting everything rolling uh, today on the website I guess there's around. How many products that you're selling now? Uh, it's more than 10,000 frames, I would say. Yeah. 10,000 frames. All right. And how does that compare when you started? Uh, maybe, I mean, we had already quite a bit. I would think we had 3,000, something like okay, that at the but time. Okay, still, yeah. you're just scaling it up. Yeah. And what are the best sellers? Are there a couple like that have crystallized uh, that have just like top sellers that just won't stop? 
Well, I, I mean, it, 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 it's a couple of brands. I mean, usually if you compare to sneakers or whatever, it's a lot less brand driven, yeah. right? But uh, now, and if you if you get, let's say go for from sneakers to eyewear, then obviously Sun is the first category that mm-hmm. is relatively brand driven, and they, I mean, you have the evergreens of Ray Ban. Yeah, obviously, sure. you have. I mean, if you go into fashion, Gucci has been really, really strong, mm-hmm. and then if you go more into the streetwear angle of things, mm-hmm. which has been, I think it's astounding. That uh, that really streetwear has been underpenetrated. If you want yeah. this great eyewear, right? People are missing an opportunity, I think. But we're going to grab it. Long story <laughs> short. So uh, when Virgil came with Off White and Palm Angels and Ambush uh-huh. with the new Guards Group, right, which have an own eyewear company by now, right, that is something that is picking up. So yeah. I think it's from the traditional Ray Bans over the classic fashion Gucci's, right, to the new brands uh, in the fashion segment like uh, uh, like Off White or, uh, or Palm Angels, and. In parallel, there's a few, let's see, D2C, more D2C-oriented mm-hmm. brands that popped up in Europe, right? Of, often sustainably uh, sustainably produced, like mm-hmm. EOE of Asuma in Sweden, mm-hmm. or or really customized like Qubits in London. And those also are labels that we pick up from mm-hmm. around the world mm-hmm. and distribute across Europe to those millennials and Gen Z that are okay. really into those new and hip brands. So then it's kind of almost like, uh, in a way, a, a marketplace for people that are trying, that are like brand name eyewear, and you connect your your clients to you, bind them to the company because they know that they can get what they want. They can get, uh, they can find the uh, opticians, they can find the glasses, and they can find the brands, and then that's how you're pulling them in, that's how you're retaining them. Absolutely, absolutely. And one one factor is that that let's let's quickly zoom into that empowerment aspect that I said, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a few things. Obviously, you need your values, right? And then the other thing is you need the pupil distance, right? That's yep. good to have, right? Most people don't know it, right? The second thing is, well, you have different face shapes, but you also have, I mean, just just the basic dimensions. How wide is your head, right? Do you have a mm-hmm. very large wide head or is it very narrow? If you if you don't know your size, it'll be hard to buy a suit. It's also hard to buy eyewear. Sure. So, so once they've purchased with us, we've got Their the data. values, the data. Yeah. So it's very easy. They just, you know, they have a little video. We send them a, a CRM message, right? Mm-hmm. There's a little video. They can try out the glasses immediately, virtually, right? Yeah. And if they, if they want, they we, we sent them four frames to their home. They can try it on. All that doesn't cost any money. So once we have them in the data, we can make fantastic recommendation that makes it super, super easy to get the third, second, whatever. Yeah, player. sure. And uh, how then are, are sales trending um uh, in relation to the overall revenue, is uh, mostly digital driven? Would you say in the market, or is there still a reluctance uh, on the ha- on behalf of consumers to overcome that they're just like, oh, this is something I have to do in person? Now, I mean, digital has been growing consistently, and and we, I mean, that's still uh, the majority, the vast majority of our revenues is digital. We make uh, significantly less than, uh, uh, significantly more than 100 million uh, pure mm-hmm. digital, right? Okay. The, the largest category in digital is prescription glasses, right? Mm-hmm. More than 60% of prescription glasses are purchased m- through the mobile phone, right? So it, it's really, uh, the, 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 the digital is still at the heart of the business. On top of that, uh, since 2016, we have put our stores. Yeah. Right, we've we've got 48, I would think by now. We open uh, next week, then we should be uh, 59, and and they add to the growth significantly by now. But you still see that underlying trend that digital is going into that market. Okay, and uh, so c- kind of walk me through like the 
you can really try them on in real time, more or less through AR filters and virtual reality filters. Absolutely. Uh, you do a little video that's completely platform agnostic. So any kind of laptop, any kind uh -huh. of mobile phone, any kind of iPad uh, uh, or a tablet, just uh -huh. try them out. So that's the first step. And a lot of people do. Okay. Um, and all right. So now I want to go a little bit more towards the offline space. So you had said how many shops do you have now? About 49? The 59. 59. Yeah. And next week, uh, a new one is opening where? In, in Malmö, uh, in, Malmö so in, 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 in Sweden. Yeah, we got three then uh, as of next week, we've got three in Sweden. Okay. And uh, where where does it, where are they, um, where else are the shops located? Like which markets? Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the core is, is in Germany where uh -huh. we have the strongest brand equity. And, and like we said, or like I said in the beginning, we, 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 you know, we, we built the customer knowledge and the brand equity on, on the back of that strength, mm -hmm. we opened up the stores. So we got uh, more than 40 in Germany. We then rolled it out into Austria and, uh, and we uh, then rolled it out into Sweden. And we have announced that the next country is going to be Switzerland uh, okay. uh, end of this year. So what is the, okay. So I, I understand um, the, the concept of having the shops there. It seems to me, it's also a lot like it's branding and it's marketing. It's almost like, some people still want to have the little the the haptic being there to be able to touch and feel and see them. Is that the primary driver for opening the shops? Also, kind of planting a flag and giving people a place, maybe if they're walking by, to go in. Um, what is kind of the primary dr driver for those? Yeah, the primary driver is really to leverage the money that has already uh, gone into the brand equity. Okay. Right? Um, because we got that awareness and we got the interest. So if we open up those stores in high frequency locations, we don't have to spend additional marketing money. Mm -hmm. We can just leverage uh, what we've built by, by uh, so far mm -hmm. and get that very profitable base of new customers. So it's a profitable growth channel, which is fantastic to have. In addition to that, obviously it is it has those additional experience and service components mm -hmm. um, that does help also, um, you know, cater to some of the target groups that we already had. And 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 last not least, uh, when it comes to the marketing angle of things, absolutely, it does strengthen online mm -hmm. in, in in minimum two ways. The first one is because it is high frequency and you have that visibility and a lot of touch points, right, of people coming in, you know trying out, you know, playing around shopping really a little bit. Um, and we have a high uh, new customer base. Uh, well, first of all, because you have that, 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 that touch points, you get, you know, more brand awareness, mm -hmm. more brand interest, more brand engagement, right? That ultimately turns into, into online sales. And the other is what we see from the new customers that we acquire in the stores since they leave the store with a customer account mm -hmm. and they got all the values in there, right? Uh, and they have learned how to shop online because by now they know their size, they know their values, they know their taste. Mm -hmm. um, we see a very high repurchase rate of those new customers that came from offline that repurchase online. Okay. So what you see is that uh, in, a, in a parameter of roughly five kilometers around a store, after the initial months, we see that online growth faster around a store area because we feed into the omnichannel network and lots of people repurchase purely digitally. That's fascinating. Um, and, and this is, regardless of the location, there's always an uptick within a month uh, within the, the... It's a couple of months because, you know, the, 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 it's, a, it's a slow category sure. if you want, right? So the repurchase, you know, usually don't start after, after a couple of months. Mm -hmm. But yes, after a couple of months, you see suddenly how, how, how online gets that extra kick. Okay. Oh, that's fascinating. Now, what are some of the... Um, 
uh, the challenges from a market-to-market uh, perspective? The regulatory issues because we're dealing with prescriptions? Uh, they, actually, there's there's only one market that is really difficult in terms of regulatory environment, and that's France. Right? Okay. Not, not not to a great surprise if you if you if you if you pull <laughs> out your stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it's, it's it's very regulated in terms of the 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 the, um, the insurances, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. In most of the countries in Europe, there there, there, there is no health insurance for prescription. People pay uh, for it out of their own pocket. That's mm-hmm. why they do have you know um, uh, at least. Uh, a sensibility for price, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 so that's very similar across Europe. And then you only, uh, and then what's also similar is that the the core of the market in most countries is still relatively fragmented. Mm-hmm. Lots of mom and pop shops, lots sure. of, lots of regional chains that cannot build a brand. And the other thing is that of the national brands and the the the, the, the franchisees or the retail banners, mm-hmm. almost all of them are positioned along traditional service offerings and private label. Mm-hmm. So if you want the good stuff, you go to a local optician. If you want the functional stuff, you go to a national chain. Mm-hmm. So the good stuff in a very value-for-money-oriented offer with all the goodies of an omnichannel experience, there is really not much competition. And the regulation uh, regulation is very similar. So, okay. so the differences are not that great. The differences are more, you know, how far are we in, in you know, building the brand? How, 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 how much have we educated the market that this new fantastic offer is now available? And uh, are, do you have plans uh, to expand beyond Europe to the U.S. or Asia? I mean, not, not, not in the short term. Not in the short term. Because um, yeah. I would just imagine that would have a lot more regulatory headaches. Yeah. But um, I, one area where I can imagine that um, would have been, or maybe still is, a challenge. Is your initial growth model uh, the way to get established in the DAC region in Germany was to set up the your network of opticians and partners? Was that did that translate one to one in other EU countries where you were just able to reach out to opticians locally and have them partner up with you? It 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 um, not to all countries to the same level, uh-huh. but but. If you look at uh, Austria, Switzerland, Netherlands to a little smaller extent Mm -hmm. in Sweden, we did roll out the partnership model there. Obviously, the the brand strengths that we have on the consumer side, it also helps in negotiating with the partners, right? Because the brand is a brand. It's a snowball effect and it just keeps moving, has its own momentum. Absolutely. So that was obviously a a higher hurdle if you go into new countries and say, listen, you'll be a fantastic partner to to play around with. And they're like, we don't know you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. So you can point to a proof of concept and like past success. And so, yeah, I, I imagine yeah. that would be somewhat mitigated. Um, now, where uh, where are we going from here? Uh, where do you think the next five years are for Mr. Specs? I mean, you 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 have Switzerland next week, uh, or excuse me, Sweden Malmo next week. Sweden Malmo next week. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Now we, we we said that we're going to roll out twenty stores this year, uh-huh. and we're gonna gonna increase the speed of uh, store rollouts in the years to follow. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's one part of the story. So that's if you want the omni-channel rollout of what we have. And the other thing that we work constantly on is really the customer experience from a 
from a personalization angle. Mm -hmm. We purchased a deep tech company that can take uh, a true to scale map of your face with your mobile phone. And we can then customize. This is a 3D printed uh, uh, pair that I have here that is customized. It's 3D to my printed. Face. Yeah, okay. it's 3D printed. It is. I did a face scan with with our technology, and then we printed, uh, and then I picked a model, and that was adjusted to the uh, to the specificity uh, specific specificities of my face. Okay. And uh, and printed in 3D, and it's and it's. It, it not only fits well, it's just because it's a personal item, it's a customized item, it's yeah. really, really cool to have. So that's what we're investing a lot of money. So okay. the computer vision part of that, measuring your face, and then um, and then uh, being able to customize. But that technology is also great to just recommend your frames, right? Because uh -huh. once we know the the detailed dimensions of your face and, and you want a recommendation, we can say, well, either you customize, if not, we have this and that and these models, right? That fit your face uh, perfectly. So that's that's a lot what we do. So with this 3D print, did you print this at home? Uh, well, we have we have uh, uh, 3D printers in the in, in our offices. Okay, but uh, but this is obviously uh, printed uh, in a, in a more uh, manufacturing. Sure. Uh, okay, because uh, it's. I, I hear like 3D printing and, you know, I just think like, okay, you just get a really pimped up printer and you have it at home. Maybe that is the future. Uh, but uh, it's it's wild. Nevertheless, the, the technology that you're adapting, uh, I mean, this we're talking, what are we, 15 years ago is when you were founded? So this is, this is very uh, uh, wild stuff. The future is here. All of that. Um, so one other thing I wanted to get at, your competitors. Where who do you see as your competitors? You mentioned D two C a little bit earlier, and there are some brands like in the U S. I would think of like Warby Parker, but maybe if you're not planning on expanding there, you don't see them as competitors. But there are also D two C brands in Europe that are at least, if not in the same to the same extent, they're at least occupying portions of the same space. Um, who do you, who do you identify as your biggest competitor? Well, I'm. I said a little bit about the, the market structure, right? That we have obviously the ones with with uh, deep pockets, the, the 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 large national chains, mm -hmm. right? Um, they they we see them spending and fighting for share of voice and share yes. of you know uh, and 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 and. But they do have a different offer, right? They do have a different offer. Like I said, it's more traditional from the service angle. It it is it is it is. I mean. I would say we beat most, if not all, on price by twenty to thirty percent, mm -hmm. and we have the better assortment, right? Okay. So it is. Um, so that's how we how we how we position ourselves against those large competitors, mm -hmm. and versus the smaller competitors, it is really that we say um, it's one. The, the ease of the experience that even if you want to have, you know, the latest Tom Ford collection, you want to browse that or you have some independent brands from Europe, you want to check that out. You can mm -hmm. do it from the from the comfort of your home and you get fantastic value for money. And 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 those local chains and those independent opticians, they have a hard time really offering that digital experience and that D to C um, logistics, mm -hmm. right? Uh, uh, so it is really what they offer is the very traditional purchase process. And maybe one thing, I mean, what, what, what one is one one of the, if you want revolutionary uh, uh, pricing uh, uh, measures that we had is is to get that transparency. 
And on the on end, to get the savings for the consumers, what we did is say, that we said, well, you, you get a fully coated, uh, so anti-reflection, anti-scratch, UV, um, a, a fully coated lens you get for free with any frame. So you can take the latest Gucci collection and, and you pay the frame and you get the lens for free. And that is so much saving because mm -hmm. that lens that we give for free costs 100 euro uh, retail, you know, sometimes say they they take it down to seventy, but you still you you right. save between seventy and hundred euros. And if you want to have thinner lens packages or something like very focal, you still have that large price advantage. Why? Because the the lens in the end is a commodity. It's usually non-branded. Yes, we 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 buy by, from Essilor and Hoya, the two market leaders, and and but but it's usually commodity. But the frames, you know, Gucci doesn't want us to rebate the frames too much, right? right? Otherwise, we don't get the latest and greatest. But the idea that you can get the latest and greatest of of eyewear and make a saving on the high quality lenses that was completely and is completely new, and and that is really the value proposition that we have uh, against the traditional opticians. Because if you go into that store and buy the latest Tom Ford, mm -hmm. they'll charge you a lot of money on the lenses. Okay. All right. Well, I have one other uh, question. I think before we get out of here, and that is, uh, it's also kind of ties into the the competition, the, the competitor aspect, and it more with the smaller players of the D two Cs, and. It seems like recently you've had a couple of more high-profile uh, influencer partnerships that seems to me, maybe not a reaction, but definitely maybe inspired by other D2C brands. Do you see that as somewhere um, where Mr. Specs can also kind of start to expand and scale up further through these partnerships? Yes, absolutely. And I ha we haven't been so vocal about it, and actually not even on purpose, but, yeah. but, but, uh, but we did shift, I would think, Two and a half, two years ago, we shifted quite a bit of budget into into that area, and the reason why was we feel that we are that we have a relatively strong position in that market. Why? Because you know the, the, those influencers cost cost a bit of money, mm -hmm. and if you if you only get the brand effect of that, right, it might be relatively costly from a return on investment perspective. But if you have the digital channels as we have, like no one else in Europe, they you, you not only have the brand building, but mm -hmm. you have the direct sales effect as well, because people can react to the offer immediately online. That's a great advantage that we have versus all any, any other player uh, in the eyewear industry. Mm -hmm. And I would think we are the most modern, the most open, the most Gen Z and millennium friendly sure. friendly brand. So there is a fantastic match to the influencers. Very often they don't have a deal in the eyewear industry yet, right? So we have embraced that quite a bit. I would even think that uh, that, that, that we are we are more at the top of the iceberg, and there is there's significantly more room for us to grow with collaborations, and we have exactly. embraced those those quite a bit. So I would think there's almost almost a drop of uh, of an exclusive collaboration almost every month right now. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, plus also like uh, the tip of the iceberg, uh, everybody is working in front of their laptops. I just imagine that sales of eyewear, uh, prescription eyewear is only going to increase as... Uh as we uh, continue on in this digital space. Uh, that's all I have for you. Rico Casper, thank you so much for joining me. It was fantastic and a fascinating discussion. Uh, thank you. Scott, thanks a lot for having me. I have to say, you know, to do this at nine o'clock in the morning on a festival with lots of parties around from uh, night to day. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, uh, for, for taking the time and, and, and 
you know, jointly staying on course as much as possible. <laughs> we tried, we tried. <laughs> we tried to stay the course, we tried to stay focused, but it is a festival, it's tough people. All right, Mirko, thank you so much. Thank you. Buzz.